0: You're listening to Duck Podcast, Episode Twelve, HT Anniversary Three. Welcome to Duck Podcast, um, Episode Twelve for. April 2nd, 2009. So it's the first time we're doing a Duck
1: Podcast since about October.
0: Yeah, we've always been sort of planning to do one and getting ready to do one. And, and then not actually doing, not doing it, doing but one. now we're actually going to get this done. Yeah, we've gotten together and had all our equipment like at least twice, but then we just got distracted by various other things. Because we always have a billion things to do, right? Exactly. And we almost, I, I forced ourselves to get over here to the studio and actually do the recording. So... Um, let's just get right into this. Um, so, since between now and then, many many things have happened. Yeah, like several productions and other major events, um, and pioneering of equipment. Um, first thing was I Joel finally got an iPod. <laughs> finally bought the iPod Touch. Um, I splurged and went for the thirty-two gigabyte, um, which was. F- like 400 dollars, but i sold kevin my nano for a hundred dollars so that sort of offset the cost down to about 300
1: now the nano is kind of uh powering my hold music system
0: <laughs> yep and um but it was 300 dollars, and it was mostly christmas money and stuff so it was all paid off and uh yeah so it's been a fabulous little device um it's it's great for music. Uh just I just find no the kidding. navigation you know, it's different from a normal iPod. You sort of have to think about it differently, using sort of a scroll bar there and stuff. But it's a great iPod. Um I definitely love the mail synchronization, having that just you know, when I come home eating my snack <laughs> my after school snack, which is less often, you know. But Chewy you know, granola bars. Yeah, chewy granola bars. It's just like, you know, I don't have to whip out the laptop, I can just be like, oh, do I have mail? Yes. Okay. And then you know we just reply to things, and it it's really sort of freed me from my laptop quite a bit, um, which is nice. Uh, it Wi-Fi is extremely stable. Uh, one issue that I had with the Axim was. Things don't really work properly. If you tried to put in a web key or a WPA key, usually it was sort yeah, of. Yeah, the like axiom is really hopeless. picky. You have
1: to configure your network. Yeah. But then sometimes, like when you're trying to deal with uh, public networks, you, you want to have your equipment work with what they offer, not
0: the other way around. Um, yeah, exactly. Do you
1: know, yeah. Do you know what chips that the uh, iPod Touch uses for Wi Fi?
0: Mm, no. You'd have to look that up. But um, it's just it's nice also because it has G. It, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's actually fast.
1: I mean, normally before people said, "Oh, portable device, you don't need more than eleven b," right? But yeah,
0: but it's very you know, it's good to have the G in, G in there, mm-hmm. and it. Wh- the nice part is I can put my network into G only, and nothing will blow up. Although I think my Roku is still B. Although I don't know if we really even use that. I should ask my dad. I really
1: don't list. know if you need to put your network in G only. Well,
0: okay. Does that actually okay? Random question for our audience: Does G only actually make a difference? Because
1: in some network adapters, which like who cannot decide properly between what speed you are, G only usually forces it into the high speed mode. If it's a BG adapter, yeah, with a bad like firmware, driver, chipset, whatever. Yeah, so it's but it's. I mean, if you're not having problems with it, there's no real reason it won't make it any faster or anything.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just the idea of being G only. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it's very good in terms of the wireless, um. Just networking general, very solid. It connects quickly most of the time. Sometimes you'll click on a network and it'll bring up like the DHCP configuration, but I think you just have to give it a second. You have to finish until it's finished spinning things, and then it's like you hit the network and you're you're connected. I found a cool little yeah, application. Hey, does
1: the touch speak Bonjour? Uh, it an is Apple product.
0: yes. It is Bonjour compatible. So if you have um, applications such as Air Sharing, which I it's actually a pay application now, but I got it when it was free, so I'm, I'm good. But air sharing, uh, there's, a, there's probably like half a dozen of them on the store for, you know, anywhere from free to 20 bucks. Um, things called floppy disks and stuff like that. You know, it's just like, but basically they all do more or less the same thing. This one creates a webdav server, um, sets it up in Bonjour, it'll show up in your finder on the Mac, and you basically just drag files onto it. And it's great. You can put your images, your PDFs, your Word documents. Um, I think even like iWork documents and everything. So, And then they're just all on there. So I'll, I'll put homework on there. And again, one of these things where usually I'd bring my laptop along, you know, if I want to do some homework, if I had some, usually I shoot pictures of my textbook. So I don't bring, have to bring it home and uh, throw it on there go on the bus it was you know i do i've done that twice you just wish ago. it had a built in camera right <laughs> yeah, built in camera would be nice, but you know we can't have everything um eight o two eleven x works great at the university two point one x you mean yeah no yeah, yeah um works great uh what else w p a works great all the networking stuff works great um and so yeah. Another what was it? Oh yeah. Does it does it randomly have a Cisco client in it for some good? It reason? does. Okay. It has the Cisco client you can connect to any VPN. Uh, also, uh, one thing I've been playing with is just VPNs in general. I didn't I, I skimmed over it when I first got the the iPod and I tried it out and then it just sort of didn't work. For some reason, the default for encryption level is none. And so it's like well, that's not going to work. Like, what? Who who has an unencrypted VPN? So I set it to automatic, and then it was fine. Mm-hmm. Connected just fine to the HTR VPN, and I've been VPNing to my heart's content. Mm-hmm. So you haven't really jailbroken your iPod, or? yeah? I haven't, I haven't, yeah? I haven't hacked it or anything. Um, they, there is a ha- uh, jailbreak for the second generation now called like Red P or something snow red snow yeah i think it's called red snow because it's like you know yellow snow was the 3g release and so this was like red snow the other g for the ipod touch anyways so then uh, that's all ready to go the only issue is that you have to if you if it crashes you need a computer to get it Boot it, you need to connect it to a computer to boot it up again, otherwise, you're kind of screwed, which would probably be fun because I have my laptop everywhere anyway. So, but um, that's the only thing with the jailbreak. I, you know, I'm just enjoying the stability of it all. I'm, I, I think the jailbreak is usually pretty stable, but I'm just holding off and wait until I get really bored with it. I
1: guess, and you, and you like how the it syncs very well with all your yeah. stuff, yeah.
0: So, that's one thing I want to talk about because not everyone really knows about it, um, because it's still sort of in beta. Uh first thing I had set up was just iCal and my my uh my iPod um which worked fine the colors were kind of weird it's very annoying how the colors don't synchronize properly, but there are different ways of getting around it, which I'll talk about in a sec. Um, but there is Google Sync for... This has been around for... It came out, and I was I tried it out, and it sucked. It would basically only sync your main calendar, which is totally unacceptable for me. I needed to be able to sync all my calendars. And so... Um, uh, but then they fixed it up, So you, and there's a nice little tool called collaboration.app, And you basically run that little tool and enter your Gmail account. This is all supported by Google. Well, supported, but, you know, it's sponsored by them. Um, Like they created it. So you type in your information and select which calendars you want. Close iCal, open it up, and it's set up to synchronize to Google's servers. And you're set to go. Um, iCal is now completely in sync with your Google calendars. Um,
1: yeah, you can do this for Wi-Fi. Well,
0: no, this is just on the MacBook because that's oh, kind okay. of a new thing already. And then just a few, like a week after I got my iPod, they came out with sync for the iPod So and iPhone. Um, how it works is the iPod or the iPod and iPhone both have support for uh, ActiveSync with uh, Google, Microsoft ActiveSync. Um, with enterprise servers so that people could sync their, their, uh, what's the name? Exchange. Exchange. Um, exchange calendars and all that other jazz. And so Google just created a virtual exchange server and you can connect. And, uh, again, fairly straightforward. There's a, a few limitations. I think it's only four or five calendars. So I sort of had to reduce my calendars, which is probably a good idea anyway. And I have like about a thousand. And, um, but it's great. It's basically push mobile me type service for free. And Mm -hmm. the only, you know, it's not totally integrated. Some of the things don't really work properly. Like it it doesn't really, some of the notifications don't really get to the iPod, which is kind of annoying. Like if you set a 15 minute reminder, it doesn't actually do it on the iPod unless you, well, it just doesn't. I think it's just the active sync sort of loses track of things. Um, Also, sometimes the repeated events don't quite, work as properly, but I mean, it's not. It hasn't been a big deal. I haven't noticed it, but just like I have things like feed Mr. T every second day. And on iCal, it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on my iPod, it's like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And I'm like, oh, so if I look on my calendar in the morning on my computer, I'm like, oh, feed Mr. T. And then I'll forget when I hit my iPod. I don't know. It, it, it hasn't been a big deal, but there's just some little word, weird quirks that probably Microsoft, Apple, and Google all have to sort of figure out it's sort of a weird thing that google is using you know that google and apple both sort of use this common ground of microsoft to make the sync work it's kind of cuckoo and somehow it works out so i
1: mean with google everything is always beta right so it's always beta
0: yeah you know and uh it's definitely getting better i mean with that google calendar google calendar sync to iCal that wasn't working initially very well, and then all of a sudden, I tried the other day. I tried it out, and it was like, "Oh, this works great!" So, they definitely you know makes things sure things work. Um, so yeah, that's calendar. Um, other interesting things, um,
1: of course. you, you have these random cool apps like Iseismo and
0: yeah. I have some really cool apps. I mean, it's just sort of a matter of looking out, um,
1: and you got Skype for the iPod touch now. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's sort of an interesting story. Now, first of all, there's a great program that you have to try out called Fring, um, which is all your IM clients, first of all, and of course it's free, hence the FR free Fring, um, free ring. Yeah. Free ring, like free rain on the internet. Um, (laughs) you have, so you have all your instant messenger clients. You can do Google talk with voice you can do the google talk and voice um skype aim as well as you know the voice equivalents on of those and um so you can do skype on your ipod touch or iphone which is great um now the only thing is that you know it wasn't always perfect um but skype did release their official version um, I mean,
1: the thing with Fring is that you get multi-platform, now, yeah, not just also, Skype.
0: Exactly. It's all your platforms, and it actually does SIP as well. If, and we're going to talk about SIP a little bit later. Um, but it d- does all of those, it, and it does them fairly well. Uh, sometimes, it, you know, it gets a little bit buggy or whatever, but it works very well. Of course, with all of these things, you need some sort of headset for your iPod Touch if you're going to try to use that, um, if you, you're going to need some sort of input device, and um, one thing I was looking at, there's different ways of doing it because basically you have a three and a half millimeter jack coming out of your iPod and the idea is that you buy the iPod or the I've, the headphones with headset, um, which is a four pin or four ring connector, um, that you...
1: So, it, so it's tip, tip, ring, ring, sleeve, basically.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... But, that would plug you, into your yeah, iPod.
1: Yeah, it, which is similar to the other iPods. Like, the iPod video had the same kind of connector, which you, it used to output video. Yes. And people, remember when you... Which changed. Yeah. Well, eventually. They changed it to the dock yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, for that generation, like the fifth generation, you were able to use a video camera, a camcorder cable to connect it to your TV. now the, the pinouts were probably different, but, like...
0: Yeah, you know, they talk about all this stuff. That, you know, there's all these outrages about, you know, particularly with the new iPod shuffle and all this, like... You know how Apple is putting in authentication chips into things, and you know, oh, you need you know accessories can't be made easily or whatever. Yeah, it's a pain. Um, And and the thing is,
1: like, I you can understand that for certain things, like for power supplies and things like that, you want authentication. Most laptops we will check for a, 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 a real power supply before it'll, it'll accept yeah. power and well, that's good that's a safety feature but like for accessories there is no like oh okay. your accessory but can't catch fire but apple in their interest of commercial
0: i know but what i'm or- saying is like it's not like they're actively trying to do it like for example kevin and i just like assembled this total hack job wiring and set up an actual microphone for my ipod without using any magic chips like, it's not impossible to do. But for certain things, like, but the iPod Shuffle, you have to. Like, how else are you going to use, how else are you going to do magic buttons to your shop? Anyways, there's different things about that. Um, but basically, yeah, you need a headset either using the Apple one you can buy. You can also, there's an interesting product from Griffin, um, which gives you a great little mic. Griffin does us all sorts of crazy stuff with Macs and accessories. Really neat stuff, like the Power Mate and all that. Uh, yeah, the PowerMate. Uh, is it? Yeah. Or is that something else? Nope, no, it's, it's Griffin PowerMate. Griffin yeah. PowerMate. Um, and uh, so you can use that, and that gives you a nice little mic with a... I think it has like a button or something on it. And then you can plug in your own headphones if you didn't want to use the Apple headset. Um, and then the other option is to... Uh, well, make your own like we did. But then BlackBerry makes an adapter for 3.5mm with four rings to or two rings, whatever you want to say, you know, tip tip ring, ring sleeve, um, to two and a half millimeter, it must, it's probably only mono. It's probably left, you know, headphone. Because you're trying to
1: use use it with an industry standard headset. Industry standard headsets are mono.
0: And so apparently Blackberries have the same connector as the iPod and iPhone. Anything, whenever I say iPod, it's because I use an iPod, but it's the same thing for the iPhone. Um, and so you can buy that and away you go. You can use a 2.5mm headset if you have one.
1: I mean, but obviously the iPhone has a built in mic, and it's most important for the, the iPod. iPod with, yeah, this where you is need mostly to make relevant a mic, to iPod, so. iPod. But, you
0: know, a lot of people enjoy using their headsets, you know, and then it's really great because we basically, with the iPhone, you know, you just have your headset and you get an incoming call, and you press a little button. And I you, thought you yeah. had,
1: like, quasi Bluetooth on these things, eh?
0: On um, iPod? Yeah. Uh, supposedly. It does have a Bluetooth. Ch- okay, here's the here's the weird thing because it has support for the Nike Air, uh, Nike Air, not Nike Air. <laughs> it was like the uh, MacBook Air. No, the Nike i iRun or whatever it is. What is it called? It's called co- iFoot. Foot. I don't even know uh, iFoot? Foot. Yeah, it's something <laughs> ridiculous where you basically put something in your shoe and basically. There has to be some sort of radio communication to that. So, there's speculation is Bluetooth. I'm pretty sure they looked up the chips on the... They always take it apart, you know, Mm -hmm. in the Apple product. And they're pretty sure they found some Bluetooth on the the boards there. Um, But it's not active right now. iPhone software 3.0, which is, of course, the same thing as iPod Touch, um, suppose it will have Bluetooth for head-to-head gaming and other communications between devices. So... You know, uh, it sounds like Bluetooth is going to be enabled on the iPod Touch at some point. Um, Either at least officially, officially or, or. unofficially. <laughs> well, I don't know about unofficially. It's kind of hard to just like magically write drivers for a, a chip that they don't actually know exists or not. But we'll see what happens. So that's um, headsets. So then once you get a headset, you can use Fring, you can use Skype. Skype, so well, it was another weird thing. Um, they released it in the U.S., And then they were like, oh, we can't release it in Canada because of patent regulations. Well, first of all, Fring has been available. So it's sort of like, okay, which is an unofficial Skype application. Um, But it was just dumb. And then another interesting thing about Skype is there was some weird note, notice in the application notes. that was like, Skype is not responsible for any modifications made to the iPhone that could cause crashing. And it's like what so apparently skype is doing funky things with your ipod i don't know um but the trick to getting it in canada um this was actually a tip that i found on the cbc article about how they didn't have it in canada this random guy from like quebec was like oh just like make a u.s store account and away you go and so apparently if you the only way to do this because if you just sign up to an for an account with itunes normally They don't give you the option of saying no payment method. Um, But if you choose like a free item, like a single of the week or a free application in the U.S. store, log out, of course, first, and then from from your iTunes account. um, And then when it asks you for your credentials, you go create new account, select, and then you fill out whatever. And then when it comes to the payment method, you say none. And then give it a U.S. address. The guy recommended that you use a U.S. Apple store. So I did the the um, Irvine, California Apple store. And you have a U.S. account. Done. And you can browse around, get the free stuff off the U.S. account. Obviously you can't buy anything because you can not register anything. Um, but you can get all the free stuff. So I download Skype. No problem. You're good to go. Uh, you can download Skype. You can use it in all its glory.
1: Uh, are there any other applications other than Skype which have these like the country limits? Uh I haven't noticed a ton,
0: but I know for like I might I don't know how much I don't usually download the single of the week, but usually single of the week is only Canadian ours, so then you can be able to get the US Rs too. Might be pretty neat. Um applications, I haven't noticed that many, but I'm sure when you submit your application you say, you know, what countries you want to offer it in, and if you don't, you know, if there's something that you really want. You might be able to get it, assuming it's free uh, in another store. Um, so that's about it. I mean, I could go on and on about my iPod all day. I, the one thing I'll mention is um, I got a, a program called, uh, what was it? Outliner. It's an Outliner application. So you can import your OPML files online. Carbonfin. Carbonfin Carbon Fin Outliner. Uh, it'll synchronize that to your device when you hit the sync button. And then you have your outlines. And it's great. Um, it's one thing, like most of my data... Yeah, you invited me
1: for this, which is yeah. why I checked my email.
0: Well, it's kind of annoying because you can't share it unless you have the application, which is just stupid. And I'm emailing the guy being like, this is stupid. You should let other people view the thing. You know, because otherwise it's just like silly. Because you can't register unless you have the application. How do I install this? You can't. You need the application to go on... You have to go in the application, which you have to buy. It's $3. And then register an account. And then you can view my Omni, my, out, it's not an outline, it's not Omni, it's OPML. What do I install this application on? On your iPod. Uh, anyways, it's my stupid. My invisible iPod, yes, right? Yes, invisible so unless you have, it's like, okay, thanks, Carbon Fin. Um, but it's OPML, you can always email it to people. It's just a convenient way, because a lot of my data is captured in an Omni outline. Um, all of my one-act information for all these billions of plays, you know, all this stuff, I probably won't necessarily, it's nice to be able to write in information I can always bring it back um, but basically just even just for view only and to be able to check mark things off uh, is very convenient and I can just sync import everything online sync it up so that's pretty neat, uh, Carbon Fin there's another outline application that seems a bit more intuitive for actual capturing, it's about $8 but it doesn't actually synchronize it didn't seem like it synchronized very well with desktop applications so I sort of held out on that um, and that's my iPod report. I'm s- tired of talking. So Kevin will now talk about his I'm other stuff. I'm probably going to
1: talk about the Eddie Roll, which is oh, yeah. what What's we are using to record this sh- program right now. Um, basically, Joel had his M-Audio, and I was just like, uh eh. Actually, I, I got it for like a week to try it out. Oh, I'm getting wireless fail right now, Wireless is, is failing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quick, switch to the...
1: PG-48, which is invisible. You,
0: is your battery dead? Nope.
1: Anyway, (laughs) no, it's just because I'm like somewhere in between the computers right now.
0: Just let's do equipment report. We're recording as usual into the Mackie. I'm on the Behringer XM8500. Yes? Yep. Yep, just checking the side of the mic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kevin's on his wireless EV.
1: Yep, RE2, which is also like the Telex FMR500. And uh, yeah, we're piping this to this capture device. Now, okay, like I said, I tried out Joel's M-Audio M- for a bit, but it's FireWire. My PCs don't have FireWire powering, which sucks. <laughs> and, um, basically I needed something that I could take an audio and put it out. One of the sh- downfalls with the M-Audio was that it didn't have balanced audio output, which is okay, but kind of bad for long runs. Usually in most cases, it's all, it's all right though. Um... The advantage of this is that it has a compressor, which was kind of what lured me into getting this, because I know it's so hard to always get something, like, get the proper signal-to-noise ratio, but still have it not clip. Yeah, and that happened,
0: you know, I don't know how, how, have you tested out, like, what a hard clip sounds like on the Eddie Roll?
1: Yeah, if I disable the compressor, I can get it to clip. I'm not going to try it now.
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, I know. Well... We even could, but actually, no, that kind of blow our listeners' ears out. But uh, just because I know, like, on the Firewire 410, the M-Audio, it's like, whenever you clip, it's like... Mm-hmm. So, basically... Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a hard clip, and it would, I could use a compressor.
1: Yeah. Um, it's an analog compressor, obviously. It would help the most that way. Um, there are f- four modes. You could turn it off completely. You could have it in limiter. Or you could have it in two compressor modes, and now it's not a full compressor. You don't get to adjust like the the knee or the threshold, or well, you can adjust kind of the threshold, but you don't get you don't get attack and and release time. However, there are two compressor modes. There's one with a fast uh, fast attack and release time for speech and stuff, and then there's one with a slower attack and release time for for music content, um, but. Usually, what they recommend you to do is if you're if you don 't want like your if you don't want compression whatsoever uh, you really should be st- using a limiter just turn it up to max just so you can when it 's at like negative one point nine or negative one decimals, it will start holding down on that so it doesn't clip, so you don't get any bad bad things, which is good if you're recording, like, unexpected content. Like, speech is, is something that has a lot of dynamic range, and, and like, it's helped out a lot, and I can get uh, a decently hot signal that you can work with, but still be okay. Like, if we just decide to start screaming right now, it won't, like, kill your speakers or my equipment, which is great. Or oh, um, your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, compared to the Modio, it has less inputs and outputs. That one has eight outputs,
0: I think. Uh, Yeah, plus SPDIF.
1: Mm-hmm. And then two analog inputs. Do you have SPDIF on yours? Yeah, I have SPDIF in and out. The only thing is that uh, on this model, you cannot use SPDIF and analog at the same time. You are either putting it into SPDIF mode, like digital, or using the analog adapter. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can use yeah, both. Yeah, you can probably use time. both at the same time. Um, however... You can have analog in, spit it out. So, if you want to use this as like a bridge to, let's say your rest oh, of your studio is, is digital, then you can have this routing out and also have, and you, you can do it the other way. If you have it in digital mode, you can still have analog output from digital inputs. Oh, So, if you, want, if you need to that's do cool. monitoring or whatever. So, it's kind of like a, a transitional device, but I'm using it in full analog because obviously my mixers is analog and, and the only <laughs> digital part is the computer. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, we don't use, who uses digital? Really? (laughs) Well, people do. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: there are situations I heard, like, people who are doing, like, classical music authoring and production, they use the digital because you, because obviously that's pretty quiet content. And
0: no, I know, but I mean, like, what are you, like, audio is always originating in analog analog form. Yeah. I mean, it makes it easier
1: to transport around your studio, basically, because you can multiplex and do all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Basically, inputs and outputs are, are separate, like most professional devices on your computer. They'll show up as as actually two sound cards. Um, there is a software controllable hardware switch. So the bridging, you basically you can do you can loop the input back out to back to the output for monitoring, like we are doing right now. Basically, I have the mics running through, so I can hear the compressed output. But um, it's it's internally done in the hardware, so you have absolutely no delay because delay really screws you over when you're yeah. talking and trying to listen at the same time. Yeah um but you can also adjust it in on your on the computer with the driver it's an ASIO device um yeah and, and this is fully USB powered so which is
0: and how's the phantom uh, power on that
1: mm-hmm. it's 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 47.5 volts as measured by my fluke which is pretty close to standard i mean no mics need the full 48 you, yeah. anything from 24 to 48 will usually right. power most mics so and i'm really surprised that it it can get that kind of quality power from an extremely dirty computer source. Yeah,
0: that's good, yeah. Um, is it, like, how much how much current does the average sort of condenser mic actually use? Because a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, you need FireWire to do phantom power, you know, otherwise you won't power your, your mics properly. So I guess I'm just wondering, like, is there really an advantage to using a FireWire device? Because obviously, like, you know, I'm sort of... I used to be... I'm sort of on the fence with FireWire right now. You know, a lot of times... Like, Apple's obviously phasing it out FireWire 400. It's done. There's like there, there's no Apple product with FireWire 400 on the market anymore. Uh, it's all 800. Um, so you're going to need special cables, which, you know, whatever. Um, DV is dying. Uh, it's all sort of going to SD, which we'll actually want to talk about this interesting product. Um, mm-hmm. just,
1: just a note, your phantom power, if you're going by IEC standards... It's 10 milliamps, like the highest... Okay, so yeah, like there's no mi-amp.
0: way that you're going to overload USB exactly. with your draw from two phantom power mics. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Now that was I
1: But I'm, like it's surprising that they have very good filtering and, and the power supply. Because uh, with analog audio equipment, you need to make sure that the bus voltage is higher than your signal voltage. That that That's what determines your clipping level because cl- something is clipping when your signal level is approaching the, the bus level. So if you, have, if you have your bus level high enough, then you won't be able to get the signal high enough to clip. And in this device, basically, it's supposed to handle high inputs on the analog end, get compressed, and then go through the digital analog or the analog to digital converter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually one of the features that I really love on this is the driver mode switch. Basically, if you want to use it in its full glory and ASIO and 96 kilohertz, 48, high bit rate or high sample rate, things like that, you will want to use the drivers that it comes with. Mm-hmm. Now, if you happen to have this device and you need to, use, and you're forced to use a computer that you know, oh, I don't know if I have the drivers, or if, if you don't know if it has the drivers, or basically just any other computer, you, you just, just need want to, try to get it going up. quickly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. if you, or if your drivers are exploding for whatever reason it happens, you can flick the driver <laughs> mode. Yeah, you can flick the drivers right over to advanced driver off, which basically shows up to the computer as a generic USB audio device, which basically every operating system has support
0: for. So it's interesting because there's always the pros and cons, and you know uh, we've always debated this with the FireWire 410 because it's obviously sometimes the drivers don't work so well, especially with new operating system releases. But there's there's two sides of this because you know uh, you can make a device like the Mackie, uh, what's it called, Road Warrior, some some sort of crazy name, but it's basically a USB or no, it's FireWire, it's a FireWire audio device. But it's driverless, so it uses the built-in OS drivers. Well, the only issues with that is sometimes the OS drivers... Well, you're limited by the OS drivers. Exactly. Exactly. But they can also be equally as unstable sometimes. Um, So you always have to, you know, you get... uh, sometimes it's not always as good. So mm-hmm. and with
1: this you, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, uh, great. Yeah.
0: It's a great nifty f- there's literally a switch that you just like yeah. switch back and forth yeah. and then you're like, "Oh, look, you know, do whatever you want."
1: Exactly. It just s- initializes itself to the computers as, as different devices, which is which is an advantage of USB. I mean, I don't do you have any generic audio profiles on FireWire? Or yeah, you do. Exist? Yeah. Okay, okay. Sister Maddie does not have that, I guess. Uh no. Okay. Cause, but, but obviously,
0: yeah. no, the uh Onyx, isn't it called the Onyx? It's an it's, well, it's an one of the Onyx, Onyx series, yeah. Mo- you know, yeah. I think branding. it was Satellite or something like that. Satellite, yeah. Um, it, it takes advantage of it. But again, like people were having some issues with it because it was like, you know, Apple changed something. You know, Apple can change it whenever they are, o- or Microsoft can change their drivers any times they want, and sometimes it'll break your device, and you're like, oh, not break it, but I mean, you won't be able to use your device in the normal driver's mode, and then it's like, well... You know, and obviously with Mackie, like, they've designed it to be fully compatible with the operating system. You know, they can't just switch to different drivers now. They can't just be like, oh, you know, so... Can be a a Uh, challenge because
1: we were talking about this, and I really couldn't decide on what I really wanted, right? So that's
0: kind of that's kind of
1: why I kind of held off on this. And then on my birthday, I wandered into a music store and just bought this because I said it had a compressor in it. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what really pulled me in. This is a a nice diagram on the top. Exactly, I I like this. (laughs) I like the signal routing flow. It makes it easy. Just like if if I just gave this to someone who had you know basic knowledge in audio, they would figure that out right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One of the things is this is a very hardware. Based device, basically, all the switches are are real switches, as opposed to the M audio, which is we have a there's a software control panel mixer where you, most of your stuff is done by on software. So you kind of you have to use that to do your solo routing and all that stuff. But this I mean, is you're yeah. saying the
0: Eddy roll is more hardware based. This is hardware based. Yeah.
1: All these yeah, switch, all these switches are are real I, I, switches. You yeah.
0: know, I'd probably recommend that too because mm-hmm. sometimes the software just doesn't work. Yeah, but yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. I can probably do some fancier things though, but I don't know how many how, how often I really use mm-hmm. it.
1: So. so things like the, uh, but certain things like the sample rate, it like instead of changing them in the driver, you just have real switches at the yeah. back that you flick around. Now, I mean, that makes it easy to operate. It's but, true. Yeah. Um, but you don't I have guess the, computer the only controllability. Yeah,
0: that's the only thing. Is like, um, with the M audio, you can.
1: Change it on the fly, basically, kind of. Well,
0: I think they changed it. It used to be like you'd actually do it in the firmware. Now it's just like it's locked and it's controlled by the operating system. So the operating system can choose um, the sample rate. And so if your program is doing whatever funky things with the sample rate to the oper- through the operating system, the M-Audio will just adjust to what it's doing. Obviously, <laughs> yesterday we were playing with it. I was trying to do a SIP call, like sort of Skype. Um, oh, I can do mono mix. <laughs> Yeah. out on that. Yeah, you know. um, And then, you know, the M-Audio was just like, oh, I'm going to stay in 44 kilohertz instead of going down to eight kilohertz for the voice call. And it was like, oh, look, chip, chip on Kevin. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, hardware-wise
1: on this thing, you have your standard Neutrik uh, XLR-TRS combo connectors. And uh, one of these, one of the connectors can be switched to high-impedance mode. So if you want to connect an instrument to it directly, you can do that. Um, Has a gain control. Thing is, uh, you have to note that uh, the TRS connectors accept full plus four line input, and the mic connectors don't. Yeah. Um, so if you were randomly like, Oh, XLR and TRS, are, they must be the same thing. They're not actually X, you would use XLR for, for quieter mic level signals. Mm-hmm. And you would use your TRS for, for plus four signals. If you're sending a, a full plus four signal out from the, from your audio source, you will turn your sensitivity, sensitivity all the way down to zero. And instantly the whole thing is aligned zero decibels all the way through. So, I mean, I'm a level setting freak, so this is a, totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, Pretty simple device, but it was designed for compactness. Um, I was kind of considering this and a model lower, lower from it, but I kind of settled on this because it had the balance of features with not being too pricey. It's two. I got it for about two hundred and seventy-two dollars, which is I don't know how much did you get yours for? Too
0: much. I <laughs> think paid like four hundred bucks. Oh yeah, okay. well, early doctor. that was I guess. in decent times, like when it wasn't like super expensive. Mm-hmm. But oh uh, yeah, that's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's the Eddie Roll. Um, it's the, uh, uh, yeah, Eddie Roll. UA25EX.
1: UA25 it's uh, called, the, it's part of the USB audio capture series. And, yeah, Eddie Roll is one of those, like, it's Roland's, like, professional brand, just like TX, like, Tascam, oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that's good. So, I mean,
0: I'm happy with it, and it seems that's to work great. well, so. Okay, I'm just going to talk about a few little things. I, I think I'll just, we'll save the MacBook thing for later. Um, but I just want to talk about uh, Mailplane and Gmail Offline. Gmail uh, is now, if you haven't seen or noticed, or there's a bunch of lab features, but one of the new features that they pushed out is Gmail Offline, which we've been sort of dreaming of for like a year. Like I was looking at some of the blogs and they're like, oh, when is it coming out? Is it coming out tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. And then it's like a year later, finally. Because Google came up with this concept of Gears, which is basically creating a storage area somewhere on your PC, um, and sort of allowing web applications to store data there and use it when the PC is turned off. And so that when <laughs> the PC is turned, turned off, off. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, when the PC <laughs> is disconnected from the internet, that's, uh, that sounds better. Um, and once the once you connect your PC back online, uh, you can synchronize your changes. Everything is just fine and dandy. Um, so yeah, you know, Gears has been around. It's been in, um,
1: it's been in the works of Google for
0: yeah. Well, but I mean, Gears has been around. It's been open to developers. Remember, the Milk has used it. Um, everybody except Google used it. And so it was sort of like, oh, okay, G- come on, Google. Let's see you use your own product on the thing we all love, Gmail. So they finally came out with it, and it works really, really well. Um, I have it on my laptop set up, and basically uh, I Gmail just keeps running. It keeps going, even when you've shut off the Wi-Fi and you're off you know, at school or whatever, and you're set to go. Um, whenever you make changes, it'll just synchronize up sometimes it has a bit of issues you know it won't you have to refresh gmail to really get back in sync um but it works very well attachments are still you can't make attachments in drafts offline but they said that's coming <laughs> it's it's a funny message when you go like to try to upload it's like it's not supported in gmail offline yet but hey let's just this isn't beta you know Back when we first started, we didn't even have, you know, such and such feature in Gmail or some, like, thing like subject lines or something. Oh,
1: just to make you feel good, right? (laughs) Yeah, just like,
0: we're still working on it. Um, There was some Doug episode. Do Do you remember Doug? The cartoon, Saturday morning. Like Dig? No, Doug. It's like, do 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 He was, like, so cuckoo. And I, his hair no, was just like, wow <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, no okay. Don't. It was, like, an excellent Saturday morning cartoon from, I don't know, when I was 12 or 10. And so Doug would be, <laughs> for some reason, there was, like, this ongoing joke for, like, all the shows. Where, basically, like, the school was always falling apart. And whenever something, like, blew up, there would just be random custodians there. And they'd be like, we're working on it. <laughs> so it's like gmail we're working on it um so okay, yeah okay that's a bit random <laughs> yeah that was random aside note but i you know it's a talk podcast what else do you expect um so what i'm using but what i'm using is an application called Mailplane, which is my pick of the week or the pick of the six months uh-huh. um it's about 25 or 30 dollars i think um there's a little trick where basically if you uninstall it and Reinstall it. You can just use the trial forever. So, I'm doing that until I have money to pay for it. Um, And there's tons of betas. The beta works with Gmail offline, which I'm using. Uh, Does
1: Gmail offline work with like Chrome? Its own browsers. Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, Chrome has should have support for Gears. Um, But what's really neat about Mailplane is it basically integrates Gmail into OS X as sort of an OS ten application um, sort of like how there's different things that will sort of make applications out of other web applications like
1: okay <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but it just integrates well with your address book and everything and gives you an actual program for Gmail because I basically started to abandon mail because the IMAP was being really stupid And but it also what's really nice is it lets you keep multiple accounts so you have lots of Gmail I have a you know, joel.ca account and to switch, I can easily switch between the two without having to log out and log back in like you wouldn't have to do in Safari. Also, you know, usually it's the whole concept of, oh, you know, your web browser crashes, there goes your emails. Um, this keeps it in a separate application so that you can close your Safari and Firefox or whatever, and you're set to go. It's You're still open in Mailplane. And actually, uh, on that note, I don't think it's ever crashed. So that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's being sort of sandboxed by Safari and mail. I mean, it's not like there's a ton, ton of code to go wrong, but I mean, it's still impressive that it's never crashed. So. Yeah. I'm one of
1: those weird people who actually uses IMAP and Thunderbird because I need the editor.
0: Yeah, that's the only thing. I mean, it does some cool stuff with attachments, like it'll shrink your photos and stuff, but it doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, you're still Gmail, so. As much as that is... I need to be able to editable. insert my
1: HTML bits when needed, or tables, or yeah. or be able to drag and drop my images in line. Oh, well. Yeah.
0: What I do is sometimes I'll just open mail if I'm going to write a big email like that. But that's all. That I think. So that's Mailplane. Check it out. It's a pretty neat application if you like Gmail and aren't loving Mailplane. Or not loving Mail.app <laughs> at the moment. Um, quickly, the Kodak ZI6... Very neat little device. Um, I think it's like around $200. Um, Shoots very nice 60 frame per second HD in 720p. I just thought I'd mention this because our youth group bought one. I was like, oh, this is neat. And we always talk about HD because we're like HD, HD. We're so HD fanatics. (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I think we've spent like eight duck podcasts just like if you go back and look at each one of those it, it's like let's talk some more about HD, HD. and how much the HDD cam HD HDD cam drives us absolutely insane or how we're going to buy like HDV cams or how like everything's bogus. but really uh, very neat. it basically hacks H.264 video files right onto an SDHC card or SD card pop that into your computer, away you go into iMovie, Final Cut, whatever. It's very, very nice. It's
1: going to end up just being like my audio interface. I'm, I'm going to be there not being able to decide, and then I walk into a store and just go,
0: oh, look. It's very, yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like, it's the whole package. I mean, it doesn't have a zoom lens. It's like, if you look at it, it looks like the VTech Fusion that I have. Like, it's literally like a sort of joke. You look at it, and it looks like a toy. But, you know, so, yeah, there's no optical zoom. But for shooting neat little videos of your friends in HD, it's really, really, really good. Mm-hmm.
1: They seem to use the uh, handheld device form factor. It's kind of popular now.
0: Yeah. It looks like sort of, you know, one of those video players that came out a few years ago for like, you know, teen, for like 12-year-olds or whatever. It looks totally silly. Video now. <laughs> and you're, yeah, the video now. That's what it is. It looks like a video now. And you're like, well, what the heck is this? And it looks like it, it, ridiculous. And it's a Kodak. Look, like, who buys HD cameras from Kodak? But it was very impressive. So, uh, if you're looking for something like that out there, definitely check it out. I'm going to play with it some more, maybe edit some stuff and post online. You'll be able to check it out.
1: Does it have like HDMI output or something like that?
0: No, but it does have an awesome switchblade USB po- like connector. You hit this. There's a okay. If you it look to see to see that, okay, you have to look at the image online. There's a little button that says USB. that that doubles as sort of like a mirror so you can shoot video of yourself that button you press it and out like snaps this like usb drive it's like slip and you can just like shove that into your computer and away you go and it's so shifty but it's so awesome (laughs) it's probably one of my coolest features i'm just like yeah it's like switchblade usb switch usb Eh, Yeah. yeah. Um. And so you you have a built-in card reader,
1: right? They Just fly out. Oh yeah.
0: It's and then so you don't even need to carry a USB drive with you. Mm -hmm. You can just be like, oh. I mean,
1: more. It could more could be desired in this audio department, probably. Right. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, it's not like you can't plug stuff into it. This is no HD HDD cam.
1: But it's it's a point-and-shoot HD. camera. It's a
0: point-and-shoot HD camera with not crap quality. So that's great. And sixty frames a second.
1: Is it easy to work with the videos? Afterwards. Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: it's QuickTime files. Oh, okay, you just tuck them in whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's. I mean, if we've you're not talked Apple-based, about on end. Well, no, even I mean, there's no reason HDRC 64 doesn't work in. Okay, yeah. But we've talked on end about editing HD, but things have come along. You know, if you have a proper computer, there's no reason why you can't do it. So, um so that's the Kodak ZI6. Um Let's talk a little bit. Okay, I'm just gonna talk about this stupid thing, ConFicker. Seriously. Did you hear about this, Kevin? Nope.
1: <laughs> well, okay, well... I've the- been out of the loop these these past times I've been working on my project. Well, it hasn't study. been uh,
0: web news. It's been, like, uh, mainstream news. CBC, CTV. Go to, like, like, in the past few days, any of the news networks... They've just been like, ooh, Conficker, Conficker, Conficker. Oh, oh, you mean like the virus? virus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. So basically, you know, it's the typical story of what a virus is. It's going to enslave millions of computers to serve as a botnet for some evil hackers that we don't know about.
1: But right now, like, since when is this news? The publicity it's getting is causing more panic than it is. It's like Y2K all over again, but just not to the same extent. I know, but
0: okay. If you've listened to security now, if you listen, if you have any understanding of how the internet works and how, you know, how much Russia, China and everyone else has control over our computers, you'll realize that this is going on on a daily basis, okay? That's how spam is distributed. Like 90% of all emails on the internet is spam. Where do you think that spam is coming from? Botnets. Like that's not this isn't a surprise. Conficker is just like it was basically one virus that was latched onto by the media. That is going on forever. Like it's going on all the time. Things like Configure. And so they're like. Ooh. On April 1st. It, all the e- computers are going to explode. And like. You know. A- doing some major attack. And I'm like. No, that's not going to happen. Absolutely nothing is going to happen. Uh, you know, it's it's like, you know, sort of an urban legend created by the media and I was frustrated and I was I, like, well, I told you yeah. so when nothing happened.
1: Yeah. Well, cuz I've been getting calls from people who are wondering, "Oh, are we protected especially from our corporations right now?" am just like uh, cuz the thing is you can pro- you can protect against most viruses just by having enough side like front-end yeah. security. Right.
0: Um but, you know, about that this plus, is new you know, or anything? It wasn't even like it was hard. Okay, basically one of the weird things that it did, which is like, you know, virus writing one one I think like I think they could probably write a perfect virus, you know, that sort of blocked all entries. You know, but basically it would block access to antivirus update websites. So you couldn't go to avg.com, you couldn't go to F secure, you can go to any of those. It just blocked them.
1: I mean, if you were running a virus, that would be like <clears throat> yeah, basic it would be knowledge. like Captain
0: Obvious. So yeah, if you didn't check, you know, you know, that was the, you know, the advice they gave you on the news from all these cuckoo heads, you know. Oh, you know, well, just try going to your antivirus website. If it's blocked, well, maybe you have a bit of an issue. Remember um, Code Red?
1: It's like that.
0: It's you know, anyway. So it was just a hoax, and I was like, oh, well. Get over it, you guys. I mean, it's so not—it's not a
1: hoax, but it, it's just—it's not a blown hoax. up way. It's too blown far. out
0: in proportion. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is just a way to sell newspapers, k- people. It's you know hysteria. But,
1: but then, then again, like people awareness, you know, things happen from that. You know how how like natural disasters happen all the time, but once they publicize those, you know, you know,
0: I wonder because right now, obviously, we're going into like a huge deep recession, whatever you want to call it, Um economic, you know, despair. Um. I wonder if we're going to see a lot more of this, because obviously, like, CBC cut, you know, a bajillion jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, mainly in radio,
1: but yeah, still affects... No, I know, but why.
0: also they cut a bunch of TV shows, too. Um, also Canwest closed a bunch of stations in Ontario, I believe. I'm pretty sure Canwest closed a lot of things. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Canwest, like actually all the media companies have been losing money just Yeah, you know, in
0: the U.S. there were so many newspapers that are just finished. They went bottoms up. It's totally finished, um, because there's no ad revenue. And I'm wondering if maybe we're going to see more of these sort of mass hysteria in all areas, not just like... Not just in, um, you know, computer viruses or whatever, but in general, the media just sort of coming up with stories um, that will generate a lot of money from, you know, just mass purchasing of newspapers about Configer.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, well, you got you have to have something to f- fill in because right now, you know, newspapers—it's just aggregated yeah. like feeds from everywhere. Yeah, like great. newspapers are not local vi- much anymore. Yeah. Anyway, so that's so, Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, did you want to talk about, I don't know, radios or should we talk about the grad fashion show?
1: Actually, um, I kind of want to talk about my, uh, the SIP thing and, and Oh Gizmo. yeah, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Um, so I was tipped off to this application called Gizmo, which is a Skype-esque application. Basically, it, everyone's trying to, to do the same thing as Skype because, you know, the success that Skype has had with voice over IP, um, uh, Gizmo takes us a step further. They are open standard, unlike Skype. Skype is like, oh, you have to use our hardware, and and we're not compatible with everything. Okay, which is good. I mean, they they develop their own codecs and and things, and it's kind of like the Slingbox. Sometimes they do things very well.
0: Okay, but I'm curious about that because Skype, like Skype, obviously works very well with a bunch of hardware devices, as well as Fring. Like, I mean, Fring seems like a very unauthorized application. That's running Skype. Like, how does that work? Because, you know, if Skype is obviously proprietary technology, it's not open. So, how does that work that it gets things onto on things like Fring and stuff like that?
1: Well, th- that's just like an, an access gateway, basically. Like,
0: so you think Fring is just sort of setting up a magical Skype program somewhere off in Whoville, and
1: it could be like that. Like, does Fring have ties to Skype officially? No. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's totally possible. I mean, and and what I was talking about with SIP, um it is possible to to do a Skype to SIP bridging basically. Um but anyway, back to the the SIP topic. I was talking about uh Gizmo uses SIP, it, it's industry standard and it's I would say it's higher quality cuz well SIP is a is
0: it's configurable quality.
1: Yeah. Right? SIP is industry standard. It's, it's the G. dot and uh, it's used throughout the telecommunications industry through for ISDN trucks and everything like oh, that. Really? So, I didn't know so that. Your, your digital landlines basically sound like that. You, Nortel uses it extensively on all their phone systems.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that was a sort sort of like some funky open source thing, but it's actually the standard. I didn't know. Yeah, that. It is the standard. Yeah, it's great. Well,
1: they wanted to make it as compatible as possible. It's it's a it's eight kilohertz. PCM PCM is like wave uncompressed, mm-hmm. but it, it's compression as in like we have less sample rate. Yeah. So, but that that's good because you have a constant uh, constant bit rate. That's great. But yeah. Skype has its own advantages because that's a, a it's a lossy codec because yeah. it's adaptive; it changes. But yeah. but obviously, like if you're trying to send like as soon as you send like music or something through it, you'll really tell that it, mm-hmm. it's getting compressed. Yeah. Whereas with PCM, it's l- less quality, but well, it's good. constant quality. That's great. But anyway, um, the advantage of that is that obviously you can use it with whatever SIP items you have. Now, SIP is obviously like the VoIP standard. Like if like uh, if you have hardware telephones, they would probably work on SIP unless... I mean, the ve- the vendors like Cisco, Nortel, Alcatel, Mitel, they all make their own... <laughs> we're all talking about how these companies are all, are all called TEL. But anyway... Um, InterTEL. Yeah. And like they all make their own standards, but usually most of our models can fall back to a, a SIP-compatible method so that they can all work together. And Joel's playing with my pager
0: right now. <laughs> I was not expecting it to just, like, turn on like that and beep at me. It's 1.14 yeah. a.m., really?
1: SIP is a protocol. It's, it's like HTTP, and, and basically after it sets up the connection, it streams packets through, which results in really low delay And and... Like I said, the point was that it works with your hardware devices, which you can't – with Skype, you don't really get that. You have to have a – if you buy a Skype adapter for, for your computer, usually it would have a USB on the on the end. You would have to plug it into your nearest computer where it shows up as an audio device. And then basically most people have problems with multiple audio devices on your computer. Suddenly all any music that you play on your computer ends up on your phone, which is kind of annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, with SIP, you can use your, your nearest – ATA, like at Staples, they've recently started cleaning up the Vonage Lynxus mm-hmm. Pap twos. Pap. For PAP, for PAP, really PAP. low <laughs> for a really low price. And really? oh, uh,
0: very low price. Like
1: <laughs> like ten dollars about Oh 12. really? Yeah. Oh, it was nine ninety something for me. And okay. so I, I bought as many as I could. I tried to clear them out. And uh the Vonage units are obviously they try to vendor lock it, but as long as you make sure that you don't plug it into the internet, you you create a, a small network for it that you can go and reconfigure before it downloads Vonage information. You can use that on any SIP service that you want. So um, you can also program that for Gizmo, which is what I've done. Um, and basically, you can u- uh, Gizmo obviously has has multi-platform clients. They have soft phones, which is kind of the main point. Most people will be using the soft phone, which runs on Mac. Windows and some
0: mobile phones. The what?
1: The gizmo software oh, yeah. client. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And of course, it's like with SIP because it's open. You set up your SIP account, and then you can use it with whatever software yeah. or hardware. That's so I have SIP. it set up with Fring. Like it's all. I still have yet to. Fi- can you explain how? those exchanges work? Because obviously you have, you set up an email and it's like, blah, 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 blah. Like phone num- crazy SIP, number, crazy yeah, number at sip.gizmo. Yeah, yeah. Like kay. how does that work?
1: Uh, the sip, like the address scheme, the syntax is very similar to email. You have your number at the server. Uh, SIP, usually you, you would run them through proxies. Basically SIP servers are, they don't serve anything. They're just facilitating a connection which is why SIP is so awesome because like it's not handling much. It, you're just directing traffic through the internet. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, Skype where you might be passing through their servers.
0: Well, it's never through Skype servers. It's through a super peer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a similar concept. So uh, it's, it's, it's just like your phone. So switch is this,
0: or, is this a bit like Hamachi? Because Hamachi, uh, which is a VPN solution, yeah. um, which is
1: now like log me In, Yeah. Hamachi. It's
0: sort of defunct and ridiculous. Um, but, it, you know, when it came out, it's sort of interesting because basically, you'd have Hamachi, which was the third-party service, um, would sort of make it, set up the connection. Mm-hmm. The connection to basically a, yeah. get you around the firewall, right? Yeah. That's and the then you can create is, a direct yeah. connection with the co- person you have a conversation with, so that you have that advantage of the direct connection, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And direct connection results in low latency. So all all these reasons why we have these these proxies is is so that you can get through the networks. Just mm-hmm. just to set up the connection, but once right. you have the tubes in place, so to speak, then everything can just flow through them without intervention. Okay, and and basically that's just how Gizmo works. Um, Gizmo will give you a phone number. It's it's it looks like a normal phone number, but it you can't access the public network without paying them, which makes sense. Yeah, but uh, the reason it the phone number concept is very good because unlike Skype, Skype you have a username, right? But as soon as you end up on a phone. You realize, how, how am I going to type in this username into the phone, right? But if, if Gizmo assigns you a number, you can punch that into a phone. Oh, okay. and, and that's how it works, basically. Okay. So, um, I, I mean, you can still refer to it by username. But if you're doing it pure SIP, you get a number. You dial it through the number. It works just like a phone provider. Oh, that's great. It's like they're creating their own like internet phone network, basically. Okay. Well,
0: that's How many digits is it?
1: It's it's a full 10 11 no 10 digit number yeah. Okay. I think, I was, yeah, you know, cuz I was
0: trying to figure out that and I was like, "Well, what's the point of this number?" That makes sense. To yeah,
1: me. it's like 1747 la la la. It looks like a normal phone number, but it's it, you probably can't dial it. So. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense from that standpoint, right? If you're using an analog phone connected to an analog terminal adapter, you would be able to phone people. And mm-hmm. basically, I mean, I th- I would like more people to use Gizmo because it makes sense, it has higher quality. And I mean it's open standards. I mean who doesn't like open standards? Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I'm gonna actually set up we're just setting up a Yeah, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna PAP give adapter. Joel a PAP two. Because PAP, PAP, PAP. I have a PAP two plugged into my North Star right now, which is the most amazing thing ever, right? Because you get to couple this with my phone switch and instantly get like interoperability.
0: And so then I'll be able to plug this into my Ethernet network at home. Yeah. And then basically it'll just be sort of I can plug in my telephone on the other end, right? Yeah. Because my biggest gripe with the Skype adapter is the same concept, but I need
1: to play it into a computer. And
0: wait, 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 wait. Okay, so if I had a phone line, I could just plug no, this. No, no, no.
1: This is a this is a purely digital. The PAP two is a purely digital adapter, basically. But they make certain adapters which can bridge you back into the phone network. So basically, if your host was had just one line and you okay, you so don't then have why is there line, two oh. ports on this thing? Oh, because you can get two phone lines out of it.
0: Okay, so I could have two Gizmo accounts, sort of thing.
1: You could do that, yeah. Oh, that's me. Yeah. It's, it's a two-line adapter. Can there, I do Skype and Gizmo? Too. Um, that's what I was talking about. You, there are things, there are projects designed to try and get Skype to work on SIP because mm. you know we want to unify this instead of having Skype everywhere. I would. I want to do that because, like, I don't want to have my Skype computer running twenty-four-seven. Just yeah, just to run this little adapter, right? A lot of my
0: friends are on Skype. Like, uh, you know, my sister, I've set her up on Skype, my cousin and everything. I mean, these are, you know, it's a simple thing to set up. And so, you know, if I, if I want to do SIP with you and maybe have better quality, it's nice to have to be able to combine
1: Yeah. Those. And, and I mean, with, with Skype, it's, it's easy, dead easy to set up because Skype, the Skype team has spent so much time working on how to traverse NATS, routers, firewalls, all that kind of stuff, right? SIP is not as forgiving. You, you, if you're using hardware, you're going to have to open ports on your end, so it might be a slightly harder solution. If you use the Gizmo client, that will do that for you, though. So if you're using the soft phone, it's it's easy as Skype.
0: Okay, but I have a question. So, Gizmo, you don't have to open ports because it'll With do software, for you. the software? Don't have to do, exactly, yeah. Um,
1: but if you're using a, a, just an industry standard SIP device, you would have to to just work on that. Yeah, just open up the range of ports.
0: Okay, but why is that? Because isn't the Gizmo service supposed to be negotiating that connection anyway?
1: Um, see, if you're using the Gizmo client, the official Gizmo client that that you run on your computer, that would be done for you.
0: But is is it just is that opening up ports in my router, or is it? It is.
1: Act- it's opening persistent connections. Okay, so, that so that's just doing
0: UPnP on the, on the.
1: Well, no, 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 no. UPnP is 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 when the software talks directly to the router to open ports. Yeah, this is more like but your router is automatic obviously any nat would would just say oh traffic it has to they will make temporary s- connections states is what we call it okay them. so why
0: is that different than for say this pap2 this
1: pap sip is like i said sip is is a direct connection there is no the proxy is just directing where the traffic goes but it's still streaming packets at you in the end so, so why so can't SIP the proxy very,
0: negotiate that connection though
1: um because the SIP protocol is not is nothing is opening ports for you is what's going on. The application does that oh, okay. for you, and that's a feature to allow traffic to pass through through those pipes basically. Okay. But but with SIP, stuff is getting directed through the internet. But at the end, it's going to end up at your firewall, and they're going to be sending a lot of packets at you. But unless you open those ports, it won't get through. Okay, that makes sense. Is basically service. how it works. Yeah. SIP is not like like, like if we're doing an internal phone system, like if we're doing like VoIP for an office or something, that that's not a concern because you're on your own network, right? But SIP just basically requires a bit of tweaking, especially when we're doing it with with hardware like this, because the PAP two is one of the first ATAs that ever came out. So that's great. Yeah, maybe they'll make some hardware that can negotiate this, but that that's on a different layer altogether. Mm-hmm. SIP is on a is on a Relatively low-layer protocol, basically. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. So that's SIP. Definitely worth checking out.
1: Mm-hmm. You check them out at gizmo5.com mm-hmm. get, get, and get an account. <laughs> Try it out.
0: Uh, let's talk about um, the Grad Fashion Show. I think we did a podcast on this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically grad fashion shows always our event to have massive technology
1: integration
0: yeah it's it's like you know let's go all out and so the grad fashion show is basically uh around springtime although it wasn't very springy this year uh we do sort of a fundraiser there's a big auction and then there is we get clothes from the local shopping center and different places and we have people model them on stage and it's sort of a gala event it's sort of Sell tickets and stuff. It's usually the event itself. I don't know. I mean, we sort of there wasn't a ton of people who came. Like the event itself usually isn't that fantastic. I mean, the foods there, like it's all good, but not very many people very really come. Yeah, it's all very for us. It's yeah, like let's I be crazy technical because we can, and they just let us go free. And I so, mean, it's
1: like things like the school open house, those are critical. And yeah, and, those are know, critical because if we, we can... screw
0: something up, the administration comes and hits us on the head and they tell us to go away, whereas this is just sort of like, you know... It's kind of everything key-ish. else is optional, yeah. like you know. It's everything that we're doing. They just re- really, they just need music, but we just feel like we want to add all this stuff on to make it awesome. Yeah. So last so last year, year
1: we did like oh we have live video because the configuration last year was kind of bad. People were getting obscured by the seating mm-hmm. arrangement anyway. So it was sort like,
0: of requested that we do video, and we were sort of like, eh. but then we we're like, hey, we're going to give this our best shot, and so we mm-hmm. did it. Um, and we did it really weird with PowerPoint and DeScaler. And DeScaler, it was an interesting setup. And so this year, I actually started about a month early because my dad was doing some web streaming things with his work. Um, he had hired a company. They sort of failed at it the first time. And I was like, well, that's stupid. You know, you know I need to come in and do this sort of thing. And um, so I was already looking a month ahead of time sort of like what what options are there? Because the first thing i was tr- been trying out is Wirecast. Um, this is about a $500 program, uh, less than $500, that you can buy from Telestream. Telestream bought the company out. Telestream owns everything, by the way. All those critical video and audio applications for the Macintosh, Telestream now somehow owns them all. And it's kind of annoying. But Anyways, next thing you
1: know, Avid owns Telestream. And,
0: yeah, considering Avid owns all media, it's like, yeah. what natural choice, Watch right? Can <laughs> West just be like, I'm going to eat like Avid, and then we'll be like, global owns your life anyways um (laughs) that'd be scary (laughs) oh my gosh yes okay um and so wirecast and i had sort of you know a trial evasion method but then it didn't work and so um the idea is that you plug in your firewall cameras and you can switch between them you can bring in titles you can do all sorts of awesome things you can do screen sharing from other
1: remote machines yeah that's
0: actually the real cool part is you could set up a camera somewhere else and then remote desktop, which is kind of hacksy ish but, um, but the great part is you could stream to the web or you could um, display it on a second-to-screen if you're on a Mac. I found this out, that you cannot use a PC and do a second monitor. And they're like, eh. I looked this up, and I was like, hey, you can't do this on Windows? And then they look up in the forum, and they're like, yeah, we don't do this on Windows. It'll hopefully come out at some point. And I'm like...
1: That's eh, not soon enough. That's not soon enough.
0: So... So, anyways, for a number of different reasons, Wirecast was sort of not an option. Um, But what I realized is um, just in general, more than one FireWire camera... Just doesn't work. You can put two on there, but it generally just doesn't work. Because
1: I mean, last year we had like you have bandwidth uh, we issues. We had we had a coax cable, yeah. with RC on the end. So we were doing this fully analog, yeah, it was F- reasonably analog. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to try doing this like a fully digital, like getting DV cameras because and we wanted to switch wire.
0: between more than one camera. Yeah, and analog properly. You're gonna, yeah,
1: you're, with it would, analog you need things like generation, generate gen locks. Which professional cameras have basically you have a ge- you have a uh, signal time base and it sends all the signals, so all cameras are synchronized. So then you can just fade between them, like literally, like mixing audio. So
0: is okay. I never really understood genlock. Genlock is making sure all the frames are exactly. Oh, okay. You know how you know how
1: NTSC basically the scan line starts from the top, ends at the end, and then it resets back yeah. to the top. Right. So it, the gen the time generator basically synchronizes this reverse flip back to the top scan. So okay. that, uh, but then, in the analog realm, just like audio mixing, you can just plug all these signals together and then they'll mix basically, right yeah. so if assuming that your both all your video signals are are in synchronized, in synchronization, then you can just literally plug them two together, and they'll just kind of be on each other.
0: Or crossfade between each other with yeah, the video mixer. Yeah, so a video mixer costs, what, 10000 Yeah.
1: And the, mainly, the most important part is you need to get cameras that can accept the synchronization Gen signal. Lock, and, right. like, nothing that is even close to prosumer-consumer has that. You need full-out right. commercial so, for that.
0: So, you know, going digital, you except some delay, because there's going to be some delay in terms of the processing, but you can basically use whatever cameras you want. I was doing some experiments. I had, like, three USB cameras and a FireWire camera, and you can just mix between the two on your computer. Now, I looked around at some different projects. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Flash, um, because Flash, obviously, you, you're still limited to one camera, So, but there's a lot of VJ stuff in Flash, one thing called Onyx, Actually, you know what? I think Onyx supported one more than one camera. But there was it still needed some development in terms of output on the Mac and on the PC. It just wasn't really stable. It wasn't really what I was looking for. I was looking for a crossfading tool to switch between cameras. Um so I came across a product called um Vidvox, which is okay, I don't really understand because they called it Vidvox, moving pictures further, and then they called it VDMX. I think they was mo- it was like two projects and they sort of merged them. But it's VDMX, um, and it's, they call it Real-Time Video Studio for Professional VJs. And basically, you can do whatever you can possibly imagine. You can merge MIDI. They're talking about another interesting thing they're talking about is... Um,
1: you can uh, merge MIDI into video. Well, is that what you just said?
0: Okay, well, I've never been to an actual like much video dance or video like VJ performance. So I have absolutely... But basically, it's just using video, either live or edited, to sort of go with music and create a visual... Experience. Experience, performance. There's a word I'm looking for, but it's not coming to me. It starts with an EX. I don't know. Anyways, extravaganza (laughs) for your dance party people, for your audience, I guess. And so you're using all those things together to project and to stream. Well, I don't know, maybe stream. Um, and so you can take videos and stuff. And it's, so you can basically interface anything you want. And there's, it's very flexible. Um, it's about $500. Again, I don't know if it's with this magical $500 number. I think you can buy it. Actually, it's for 400 because it's still in beta technically. Um, but what's great is the trial, um, if you don't buy a, a beta license or whatever, um, you can use the whole program. You just can't save your workspace. So, I mean, it's very, very flexible. So that means there's a bit of a learning curve for it. So there's a lot of little panels that you have to set up and get going. But you can basically set up a bunch of crossfaders. So I had, you know, media panels that you can load uh, my titles into. I had all my titles in one area. I could have, you know, if we had any video content that we needed to play back, I could have done that as well. And I had my two cameras. Camera, Okay, and then I have to talk about Grabber Raster, of course. I love Grab Raster. <laughs> Sorry. Um, compression <laughs> Compression win right there. Compression at work. Coughing into mic. Um, uh, so you can have your two cameras or more than that and crossfeed between the two using this channel A B play magical fader. And you know what's awesome is that any button or fader or anything in the interface can be like mapped to another button or anything, a keyboard. There's a lot of this, I don't, I, I all these words that, or acronyms that I can't seem to remember. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the VJ world. So if you look up VJing, you'll find some really interesting stuff going on. Um, if you're looking into digital crossfading, so and of course you know VDMX, it's a Mac application. Image units, all those fancy effects that you can find on the Mac, you'll be able to use them right inside VDMX. Check it out. I'm even considering buying a license, depending on how much stuff we're actually doing. Um, but another note, just on Wirecast, you know, I'm still torn between Wirecast because Wirecast kind of pisses me off, but it's also a but really cool program. Yeah. It works.
1: Yeah, and it co- and it makes it awesome titles. Like they look
0: it's, great. You know, I I'm very impressed with the product. And but what's neat is that they finally they now integrate with a bunch of these online web streaming products. So like UTV, UStream, or something. There are all these like crazy live streaming tools a la Flash, and um, one is actually a whole studio thing. You can, like, plug in cameras from different sources, and it's totally awesome. Make it your own TV station online. And so Wirecast will actually stream directly to those services now, which is fabulous. You know, that's a, that's a feature I would use. Basically, if you have a bunch of cameras, Wirecast can set you up as a media delivery company for 500 bucks. Pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean...
1: At the end of last year's grad fashion show, I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to throw money at the problem, go to Blackmagic and get the nearest HDMI card yeah, or, we didn't do or that. whatever. We didn't, we didn't do that. But I'm just saying, like,
0: you know, it's tough this because... is a
1: hardware or software solution, though. Right. Like, yeah. Along with having the software that permits you from to, to do that stu- kind of stuff, you also need the hardware to get the content into the machine. Like, you right. could tell a FireWire... And we were off, having issues like, with yeah. that because, okay,
0: so we'll talk just about the hardware right now because... Um, so I said we had two cameras. That was sort of lying. We had one camera, which was directly connected in via FireWare into JQuad. And then we had our second camera. Okay, so that was another thing, a limitation of VDMX. You can actually only use one FireWare camera in the application. They is, that some, a hard, is that a software limitation? It was or is that software a software limitation. limitation. It was a weird thing. They were talking about how Apple changed something and that they haven't implemented the code yet because it's buggy. And I'm like, well, Wirecast can do it, so why can't you? And it kind of annoyed me. But... The solution was solution, um, Grabber Raster. So there's this company called um, Black something. Let me just look it up here. Um, but Grabber Raster, they do a bunch of a black op. Um, kind of creepy to download stuff because it's like weirdo-ness. But again, lots of VJ tools from them. Cool, cool, cool stuff you can do. Um, things like virtual webcams, but basically grab a raster.
1: It's it's like the video device we always wanted to have is just like, take a corner of your screen and turn it into like a A video video capture device, basically. Yeah.
0: So like, basically I drag this frame over any part of the screen I want and it becomes a video device. You can huck it. It's like a webcam, which is just existing of your, okay. So then what we did, so I think you get the picture and it just clicks in your brain and it's like genius. I, I had to buy it. I, I threw money at the problem, as Kevin would say. I bought, you know, it was like 30 40 bucks 40 or whatever in Canadian funds. Works great. Um, I'd definitely use it again. Um, and so that's my second video device. Now, what am I capturing from? Well, I thought we need a second camera, but it needs to be at a different location. So I threw somebody with this random DV cam of Kevin's. You know, it was total joke. It was like, this was almost like I was planning all this stuff so that it could be like a second, a dual camera setup. And in the end, I was this close to just like giving up. Like I had them on battery power. It was redonkulous. Like we had to give them a power adapter at some point because I was like, oh, I guess we didn't really do that. Mm -hmm. Power them up at all. So we just had an ethernet cable connected directly from J Quad to MacBook. They were sitting on a chair with their laptop in their lap with a camera just shooting camera B. And then, it was absolutely crazy. okay, but get this: I mean, it was Apple Remote Desktop. I was running like VGA quality on the, la- the MacBook to reduce, you know, the overhead and make it as you know high quality and low latency as possible. Streaming over Apple Remote Desktop to the J Quad, being captured in Grabber Raster, being sent in using this Grabber Raster as a virtual camera into VDMX, being magically mixed down with Camera A. Out onto the projectors, and it was insane, and it worked.
1: I know. There was so much, like, uh, basically it was getting transitioning through so many formats, and somehow at the end it still had acceptable It was less
0: than a second delay. It was, like, it it was nuts. And um, thanks to gigabits, like, all these different technologies, and it was totally, like... Preposterous! Like, I don't even know why that worked. It's one of the things that I'm just like, what the heck? Why did that work? Um, I mean,
1: it, even if it totally didn't work, we're fine. Because yeah. that's just like, oh, we're having fun now. Yeah.
0: So, we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely Basically, some cool stuff yeah. to po- yeah. check out there. Mm-hmm. The, you know, blackop.com. It's not blackop. It's b-l-a-c-k-o-p.com. Uh, grab a raster. Camera, which spelled q at Amra. Um... Does some interst- interesting stuff. Uh Cam, Cam X. This wasn't actually. A- oh, this is a video mixer for webcasts. Another one. Cam Cam X. Um, I just didn't want to throw money at that one, but basically does everything VDMX does, but really just it's a crossfader. And you know, I probably should have just thrown money at that, but I mean, it didn't capture things, so I just had mm-hmm. to go with that. Yeah. But it streams things. You know, it does some VJ stuff. Definitely cool. Check that out. Dot Matrix. Instant pop art creation for the right brain. Yeah, I don't know what that does. I think it's sort of like a Photoshopy thing. And virtual eyes. Um, yeah. If know. you have a lot of money to throw at the problem, though, get a tricaster. Tricaster. Yeah, that was one of the things that they were using. Uh, very neat device. You know, you could easily spend. T- yeah, yeah. There's it's a station in a box, basically. You can of course take advantage of Quartz Composer, though. That's how I was actually displaying the video on MacBook from the DV camera to be remote desktop over. Just drag Quartz and drop Composer. Your- if you're into all that crazy, like weird video stuff, um, Quartz Composer and all of the tools that I've just mentioned, be sure to check them out. Okay, so that is VDMAX and other things. Um. Do you want to talk about radios and MacBook reformatting, or should we just wrap up? Because I think we're running at about an hour and 20 minutes right now.
1: Okay. Mm. Well, I'll make it quick, okay? Okay. Um, basically, I work at a construction company doing network administration. Uh, they switched over to the TELUS IDEN mic network, which actually I am a user of actually qu- quite epic win actually actually between this time and and now I actually got a cell phone for once yeah have line. we ever talked about that nope, no. <laughs> nope. anyway I, okay, I got a cell phone should we phone, just make
0: this way. an epic 2 hour episode okay to <laughs> catch up on the ridiculousness i know i know okay let's talk about radios iden okay i'm going to add this to the list radios <laughs> kevin iden yeah. and then i'll talk about my macbook which isn't really much but yeah mhm
1: Okay, so anyway, they were getting rid of these uh, commercial radios, the Motorola GTXs, which are absolutely amazing. I mean, it, if you've been using all of these consumer-grade FRS, GMRS radios all your life, then you have one of these in your hand. And like, these
0: are like the epic things that the police have.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they have the exact same models at Vancouver International exact same models, they have the GTX. Um, These are trunking-capable radios. Now, let me explain trunking. Trunking is basically similar to phone trunking, if you know what that is. If you don't, I'll explain. Uh, Basically, you have... The radio spectrum is kind of crowded these days. You have so many RF things running. So, frequencies are at a premium. And basically, uh, if you want to have, like, oh, 50 talk groups, you aren't getting 50 frequencies. The government is not giving you that many frequencies to run on them. You will get about, let's say, 8, 10 frequencies... And then trunking lets you have, like, a ton of virtual talk groups. And it's a computer-controlled system that basically picks the nearest free channel and, and lets, lets you use that channel for transmissions. Basically how it works is uh, you key down on your radio, and the radio asks the controller, oh, what channel is free? And the, ch- the controller either says, oh, this channel is free, use this, or tells you all channels are full and gives you this sound. Talk prohibit. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, basically, every industry that uses radios is now on a trunking system. Uh, for example, Edmonton's EDAX—they spent a ton of money upgrading our system. It's in 800 megahertz, and we have about 16 or so frequencies, but we we have about like 180 talk groups for every department, and. Basically, the citywide communications has integrated this onto this. Recently, even the ETS bus service has
0: integrated onto this. So, I just have a quick question, though. Um, so when you have um, – you said you can do 150 talk groups, and you said like 12 frequencies or something? Like yeah, it? basically. Okay, I mean, so you
1: cannot have all 150 of them in use at the same time. Yeah,
0: that's. I guess that's what I'm asking. So basically, you're saying how it basically selects a f- open frequency yeah, with yeah. using the trunk mm-hmm. um, to select you when know, when someone keys down on the t- on the talk group. Key down means just like, you know – Pressing, it's the, push pressing talk the talk button. button on the radio, and so then it just chooses
1: the nearest free frequency. Basically, okay. So yeah. then,
0: but then, really, there's only 15 conversations or speakers yeah. on the network yeah. at a time.
1: But even a, on a vi- very very busy radio system, like even the em- em- city of Edmonton's system, that doesn't happen. Like it doesn't get busy, fully busy all the time. Right. And maybe in, a, in a, like a natural massive disaster, maybe you would have a lot of busy channels. But
0: then you can I, just increase your frequencies for the day, right? more no, or less no <laughs> no okay no basically you would just
1: reallocate your spares into the into the group basically but the the advantage of this is that you get to have all these virtual frequencies well these virtual channels with a certain number of real channels this is similar to it's it's basically similar to circuit switch telephone networks so let's say companies you have you see let's say you have 15 f- phone lines you can use those and the system will pick the nearest free channel for you Okay, so anyway, um, it's it's efficient use of bandwidth, and all systems are are using on it. Anyway, so this radio is trunking capable. However, I'm not using it on a trunking system because I do not have a, a repeater. Basically, a repeater is a device that, you know, your handheld radio is only 3 watts or so, but your repeater would have 100, 250 watts of power. Basically, that's enough to cover a whole city. Uh, most people would not enjoy having a 100-watt transmitter in their hand, <laughs> causing cancer to, like all nearby objects (laughs) and so basically that's the way to get wide area coverage with uh low power um i've been trying to talk to industry can to get license for these because you definitely need to get licenses but 800 megahertz is like i said very crowded especially in edmonton because basically everyone uses it and we'll see how this turns out basically um i got a cell phone (laughs) It's on, yeah. it's on the iDen network, the which IDAN. is another 800. can Okay, well,
0: when did you get your cell phone? In, In,
1: uh, on December 28th.
0: And, uh, and we've never published a podcast. Maybe. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Motorola made the made this slightly more consumer system. It's 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 still a trunked system at heart, but it offers full duplex phone interconnect, and the radios are more phone esque rather than being these giant bricks. Um, obviously, I'm getting this. It's a it's a service offered by telus our incumbent local exchange carrier which kind of owns all communications in here (laughs) in western canada basically um so i really don't have any choice i wanted to get a phone that was not shiny because if you look at phones these days it's just like oh we have excessive features video on demand Um,
0: do you have the password for your router
1: Yes, I do. Why, <laughs> why, 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 why do we need do this you want, right
0: now? <laughs> I don't know because I want to connect to JQuad to see what Duck Podcast I have. I'm using VPN. <laughs> wonderfulness. Just write it down. Sorry to interrupt you. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, um. Can I type it
0: in? No. Yes. Well, fine. Okay. Anyways, uh, so yeah, you bought, uh, you went with the IDEN. So the IDEN is like a three hundred dollar unsubsidized cell phone. Is that right? 500. It's a five hundred dollar. Okay, so it's a no, five hundred dollars su- with contract. With contract. So that's after subsidized. You're paying three hundred dollars, which I guess you know, that's actually no no worse than the iPhone because the iPhone is three hundred dollars subsidized. So that's actually not too bad, really. I mean, Kevin's always like, "I pay three hundred dollars so it's you know, but. It's no iPhone.
1: <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's, it's, it's designed It's exactly for, what yeah. Kevin wanted. Uh, anyway, it, it's, it's, it's... Like I said, it's a trunk system at heart. So, I mean, it takes out a lot of the 800 megahertz spectrum. As you noticed... Or maybe you haven't noticed. <laughs> A lot of the cellular systems are moving to the 1.9 gigahertz and and higher frequencies. CDMA, GSM, they all work on high frequencies now because like they're trying to move away from 800, which is getting cra- more and more crowded. But IDN is staying, and <laughs> it takes up too much of the spectrum. Anyway, um, like I said. With the commercial radios, that was a type of frequency division multiple access, FDMA. Um, IDEN is it's FDMA along with TDMA, time division multiple access. Basically, time division multiple access is when your device sends a burst of signal with breaks in the middle to allow for other stations to transmit on the same frequency. So, basically, time slots. Um, obviously, this is only with digital. You cannot do that with analog. Analog, you only get frequency division. Um, and yeah, basically, uh, Iden boasts uh, lowest delay time. Basically, you can you can have you can make a call from coast to coast with less than one second of delay, which is the strength of Iden, because obviously it's a radio system at heart. So, and obviously with the phone interconnects, previously it was really really high bandwidth. Basically, if, as soon as someone started using the phone, like you would like take like six people off the radio, like it would. Reduce the radio capacity by six users, but they've worked on the codex. The new IDN uses uh, AMB codex and kind of chops it down to about two kilobits per second, which is really, really low That's amazing, rate. yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, one of the features of the n- new phones, actually, the one I got was a Motorola i85. Um,
0: basically How, oh, o- hey, did you try Opera? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll do it while you talk.
1: Okay, but basically... Uh, only Motorola makes these phones. They license some out. So, for example, they l- made, they give out licenses to BlackBerry. BlackBerry has made two models which run on IDEN just I know BlackBerry wants to make multi-platform what, what?
0: BlackBerry make IDEN compatible? Yes, yes BlackBerry BlackBerry, <laughs> Blackberry <wants> make IDEN <laughs> uh, <laughs> they want to they this want is to, what happens yeah. when we go over like an hour it's yeah. like oh we get nuts okay I know because so, basically they want to cover that's all a the bases oh they just want okay. but it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a Motorola product yeah it's a
1: Motorola product and basically Motorola gives them the chipsets and, and all the hardware mm, required okay. but BlackBerry really doesn't want to miss any boats in case you know IDEN suddenly becomes a major your breakthrough product even though it has 19.2 kilobits per second data which is relatively slow in this day and age because basically the, the technology hasn't changed since its introduction in
0: 94 <laughs> um you know it's weird okay we were looking at the opera mini and now it's there's totally like a huge listing so i guess my phone is just nuts okay
1: <laughs> anyway um so, Iden has been around for a while. Mike has been around for a while. It, it's been a niche, niche product. Like, no one really has this. People see me and I'm like, you're nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. the, one of the disadvantages about TDMA is that digital bursting. Now, if you have a GSM phone, you know you know the, the burst noise. It's like, kind of like that-ish. <laughs> um, Iden, Do you want to
0: demonstrate uh, <laughs> Shall we? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Here, hold it up to your mic.
1: <laughs> no, I'll call you back. Basically, and with IDEN, you got even worse bursting. It it kind of... Yeah, I can hear it now. Like that. <laughs> Especially if you start I talking. I just
0: called myself and then wondered why my pocket was vibrating. I'm really smart today. <laughs> yeah, that's a clicking sound. Yeah, right. that's the IDEN burst. That's it's disturbingly... That's disturbing, Kevin.
1: Yeah. I, I got these phones because they had powerful radio transmitters. They're point the only 0.5 phones, watts. Uh, point 0.6. 0.6. <laughs> The is, that, fo- is that, like, spec, or is that... that,
0: that, that Motorola
1: actual? always specs their products very conservatively. Like, for example, these GTX Radius, 3 watts. Yeah, no, you get more than 3 watts out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good thing. I like... I need to have good signal strength, especially since IDEN coverage is not as... As... Uh, prominent. Yeah, as prominent around. In Alberta, we have the best IDN coverage ever. Like, we have more coverage on IDEN than CDMA. I like that. But if I have to go to Prince Edward Island for Skills Canada or something like that, then I'm kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the advantages that basically no other phone has is talk around. Now, talk around is a feature that is also offered in the commercial radios. Basically, it means you talk around the repeater. Uh, so you can do radio-to-radio communications.
0: Talk around. Talk around. <laughs> Jump around. Yeah, talk around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. So, but usually you can't do this with cell phones. But if you have another iDEN cell phone... Then you can you can basically put it into talk-around mode and it'll operate just like a uh, FRS/GMRS radio, but in the 900 megahertz band. So, and it's it's still fully digital. And we I ranged tested with Joel. Joel was at his house. I walked all the way to school. and I could still talk to him. So really, it's got pretty good range. We didn't get that far. Yes, did we? we did. Oh. I was at the freaking like receiving door.
0: Oh wow! Mainly. Okay, I didn't know that. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. These things, I mean, they're, they're pretty good range. Actually, Motorola took the talk around technology in their iDEN phones and actually moved it into a separate radio line. The Motorola DTR series radios they do the same 900 megahertz frequency hopping with digital audio transmission. Um, whoa! Another company. <laughs> <Stop> doing that. <laughs> another company has taken this on. It's the uh, it's called the TriSquare, and they've made a product what? called the EXRS. I
0: was what? What is that? Uh, basically, London Drugs,
1: London Drugs London was the first company to, to sell these radios, but you see them everywhere at the source and everything now. Radios there. or cell phones? They are two-way radios, but employing oh. the cell phone technology.
0: So it's like IDEN. Are they compatible with IDEN?
1: Uh, no. Even the Motorola DTR isn't compatible with IDEN. I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's on purpose. Anyway, the, the Trisquare radios, uh, you can visit them okay, at trisquare.us. Oh, nuts. Um, Basically, they made radios with cell phone capabilities. You can do text messaging, short messages through these walkie-talkies, which kind of is amazing. But anyway, I can do these on my cell phones, which which is the second amazing part. And basically, you don't get this on any other kind of phone. Is, and they can just communicate with with each other. It's ad hoc, and you still get all the interconnect features. So very amazing. Just like that. <laughs>
0: Hmm. I'm just sending Opera to your phone right mm-hmm. now. Would you object to me attempting to make a connection?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> okay. And then you should check your bill to see if it's actually oh. unsupported oh. object type. Okay. Oh, okay. We'll send tri- I I tried sending okay. the jar. You we'll try the Jad. Hmm? You, oh, is that a Bluetooth issue?
1: No, Bluetooth usually works. Okay, okay well, we are time. getting so nuts on Duck. It's not it's turning from like a it's podcast to like a, listening to us a ramble on the Okay, cases. let's not turn it exactly.
0: into a blabcast. Okay, so we've talked about your IDEN, we talked about your radios. Yeah. Um I'm sorry that the whiteboard of the weeks have been
1: not weekly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah they we're, were
0: weekly for a very long time. And then 1X started and 1X are nuts. Actually what is even 1X? I'm just a total liar. I just get lazy. Actually, what happened was after January it was exams, and then after exams it was like Wah. after exams I posted my exam marks on the whiteboard and then and they you never, never took yeah. But I took them down. So maybe I'll draw something. I'll draw something for my sister or something, and then send it to her. She's off in Vancouver. Um, that's whiteboard report, rapport. Actually, uh, whiteboard rapport. I was gonna do example. something with the whiteboard or the video or something.
1: Because Joel know. has been making videos. Basically, he draws on the whiteboard and uses my camera to just record him drawing on the whiteboard. Oh and yeah, no, It's very them. amusing. They're on the blog, yeah. yeah.
0: If you haven't checked out my blog in a while, there's some interesting stuff. Things like egg experiments that are cluttering my homepage. Okay, cluttering your so homepage. So this is the last yeah. topic. What are we at? One thirty-two. Okay, we'll be uh, we'll be finished up pretty soon. So I decided to reformat yeah, my MacBook. It's almost eleven
1: p.m. right now. <laughs>
0: like live-wise, yeah. Not yeah. One thirty-two. is not. Like one hour and thirty-two minutes of the podcast. Um, So I decided to reformat MacBook because I've basically been running off the same user account setup, configuration, software, whatever, for about three years since I got my MacBook. Uh, MacBook's coming up on three years, Um, and so yeah, been
1: pretty reliable for you because you got your all your parts replaced or almost. Uh, all Okay, so basically
0: the only original part is like the screen and that's about it there's probably some weird like probably like the bluetooth radio or something like that it's like original <laughs> um but pretty much like everything on this computer has been replaced it's probably easily had three thousand dollars worth of repairs just like free so that's amazing um coming up in three years so i you know i was like there's a lot of crap that is just here you know there's even just a lot of things that I probably don't actually. W- I wouldn't miss if I just remove them, um, but I can't bring myself to remove them. So I'll just. We, refo- have, to, we have to pull everything off. In so one yeah, th- ba- and exactly. And one of the things is, I, I sort of want to install Windows because you know it's nice to just have Windows. And I know that, this, that is something I would uh, never ever think. I know like it's Joel something that would you'd would never ever hear me say. But basically, oh stop! Okay, turn off your iDens or keep them away from the RFS. Um... That's how powerful my phones are. Okay, <laughs> stop it! Turn it off! I can still hear it! Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> this is... Oh, is it me? It's your phone? They're all my Facebook phones. Facebook is texting you. That's why it's, like, incoming... Okay, later. Later. Stop idenning my f- microphone.
1: And you as, you... as you put it into the pile of cables, right? <laughs>
0: <Shh>. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: just... <laughs> uh, there, there you, you go.
0: I go the VCR. Um... Oh, what was I even talking about? You were talking about oh, Windows and how Windows, I'm totally yeah. insane. Okay, it's just because like things like the Lighting Board run Windows embedded, and so I want to run Virtual Lighting Board. Well, that requires Windows. Okay, fine. Um, you're, you're admitting that not every application comes up for the Mac, eh? <laughs> well, I guess you no. Know, people always freak out because it's like, oh, you know, what if there's a Windows thing that I'll miss? Well, you can always install Windows you know that's this that's a always point been with the yeah th- that, you know that's a valid point i'm doing it right now you know if yeah and so basically i'll be at the dual boot i installed you know all the good little uh, applications so that and you know this way if we're doing a presentation um and it's like you here basically how, take whatever my applica- my program is an exe like some people actually sh- I've, i we've had people show up and be I like be. yeah IB, but even other f- oppor- i've had one guy who showed up and he's like this is my presentation, and it was like some magical packaged photo slideshow that was an EXE, and I'm like, well, I don't really um Okay, whereas now I can just reboot and say, okay, here we go. Um, you know, I I'm not going to use it often. It's just sort of a nice thing to have.
1: Yeah, especially when you when I decide to put my whole network on a domain, and you'll have to be on a domain to
0: access it. <laughs> I'm then I'm just. Leaving. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, So what I did is I actually, um, because boot camp requires Service Pack 2, um, because apparently, I think if you install Service Pack 2 after the fact, like if you install uh, just a basic Windows Service Pack 0 and then try to update, it, like, blows up the boot camp and just, like, the boot camp, like dual boot of Mac OS X Windows and just screws everything up and reformats your drive. And I don't want to do that. So um, what I did is I slipstreamed using nLite. Um, service pack three into the windows XP installer, um, worked extremely well. Bootcamp went quite nicely. Uh, what I did is I actually made the partitions before I installed OS X. And so don't worry about the bootcamp installer if that's what you're doing. You don't have to like install using this wizard. You just need to select the right partition and format it. And that's really all you have to do. Um, so yeah, boot cap installed, lovely, with Service Pack 3. Um, the driver disc, basically you insert the Leopard disc, um, and it has all the drivers on it, and works like a charm. Um, all my sound thing. The only thing is, um, the trackpad is supposed to be able to do a right click when you double tap, or not double tap, but two finger tap, and that doesn't work. I don't know why. That's a driver dependent feature, isn't it? Yeah, it's a driver dependent feature. Scrolling sort of works. You can do it with two, two fingers, finger scrolling, yeah. but it it doesn't always work. I think mean, it's just sort of a sensitivity thing. And so probably there's probably a driver update, but I just haven't installed it because obviously the driver's going to be updated. No, <laughs> you were just identifying us. Okay. Obviously you're going to, you know, obviously they've probably made updates since leopard service pack zero or leopard ten point zero point zero, um, And what the heck does that mean? Optimized mirroring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Optimized mirroring for convenient, absolute URLs is what I wrote. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, no, what I'm talking about is um, I decided okay. I was going to actually set up proper, like, local mirrors of things. So I went to my host...
1: That's f- why Joel's here to copy the my entire server onto yeah, himself. Not, not the entire
0: <laughs> server. Okay. My just jdria folder. because Otherwise, you'd be like, why are you downloading 13.2 gigabytes off my internet connection? Yuri did that. Yuri did that. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyways, you would start freaking out and disconnecting me. So I'm like, okay. So um so then I keep a mirror and then you go into your host file. Um so that should be et etc et slash etc slash hosts. And you basically just say uh you know I basically do joel.ca.mirror and so then when I go to joel.ca.mirror it redirects me to I say one to two seven dot zero dot zero dot one and then, um,
1: oh, so you're just adding like your own host for, yeah, for like, yeah, exactly. Local access. It's my local
0: domain server, but when
1: you but when you still work on things like all the relative links, they all work fine just because you're not moving the exactly. So the
0: idea is, and so you just make a virtual host in whatever server you're using. I'm using Apache with XAMPP. Um, I just say here's my virtual host, here's the domain name, and so now when I go to joel.ca.mirror. I get exactly what I would see on joel.ca, and I can use absolute links, which usually I'm not a super big fan of, but I've come to realize that it's just a part of life. You're not moving your cert website to a different directory every day, and with virtual servers, you can just make it virtual-
1: <laughs> Make it <Captain> virtual! Obvious,
0: <laughs> second Captain Obvious statement of the day. Today I looked at this giant, like, zero-gauge cable, and I was like, oh, it's stranded. Duh, Joel, it's <laughs> not solid like, copper. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just like, do you want to imagine what a solid copper, like, zero-gauge
0: like wire would be? That would be like a freaking bus bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be harder than bus, bus bars hollow. Okay, anyway, so that was like, ob- obviously, Captain, obviously, yeah, virtual surfers. They're virtual. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we need to wrap this up. Um, so, yeah, and then you can create absolute URLs. It's a great idea, Cause especially when you're doing WordPress stuff. You can just say root, theme. Okay, that's it. We're done. Okay, that's our duck podcast. Oh, wait, you, you talked about yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. It's our duck podcast. Yeah, we're done. Okay, <laughs> it's it. It's our for applications have been covered stuff yep. and uh... this is our been duck podcast. Yeah, for April second, our first in a long time. Yeah, in first of the year, <laughs> April second. Yeah, 2nd. exactly. Yeah, I mean uh,
1: it's it's all. Oh yeah, I had to a, mention it's AHTR's birthday. It's, it's AHTR's anniversary yeah H- each
0: anniversary it's our third year third year try like t- ten thousandth year i wish i could say it. <laughs> since like since nine t- since <laughs> Since, since like the 2, day two billion AD, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> you can't say that. No, okay. So basically, yeah, H has been around, and Well, officially, H we,
1: has been around longer than that. But we, I got my domain on April Fools. Oh, okay. And that's well, what our know, official H-Tier's name been is. Been around
0: for a long time. H-Tier to it's Yeah, been still, for up, a long time. still up, still up. I maintain up. that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's also Apple's birthday on that day. Yep. I mean, I would love to long have this yesterday, but first. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say shout out. To Jill and to... Uh, who else listens to the podcast? Sarah. Different Sarah. You don't know. Mm. Uh, random people. Because apparently... like, we, we have listeners. We have listeners, but not tech listeners. <laughs> They're not like people... If, okay. If you actually listen to this podcast, please email us. Joel at joel.ca or kevin at hdr.net. Because it's J-O-E-L at J... Actually, no. It could be just Joel at Joel. It yeah, doesn't both, matter. They're yeah, all yeah, four it, the same, same place. place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because really, I don't think anyone listens to this. So if we, we do, that would be great. Wrong. Prove yeah, us wrong. Exactly. We'll like... I don't know. We'll send you cookies. <laughs> Not like, really. <laughs> we'll send, we'll you, send you virtual cookies. We'll You know, yeah. Yeah. You can pick up a free cookie at a special URL near you. Near HDR. Um... Because there's a lot of people who just listen to us to go to sleep and relax. Apparently, our podcast is zenning to different people. So that's great. That's great. If you – that is like – I'm going into this episode thinking, okay, so that's what people listen to us. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and just Be random. Be random and drone on about electronics for – an hour and 45 minutes.
1: Because, hmm. like, I know some people say, oh, this just flies over your our heads, and I'm just like...
0: Yeah, it flies over your heads, but it's sort of like clouds. When you listen to it while you're reading or something, it must be like clouds floating over top of your heads or yeah. something.
1: I mean, but I still enjoy it if you actually pay attention to what it. I say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Yeah. You never know when you might learn something. Exactly. So. I am Kevin Lau. And I'm Joel Adria. And this that's has been The Dog Podcast. podcast. Dog.